Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a common-held belief in the world today that if something is different, it must be less important or without dignity. So the response then to something that is different is either to downplay the difference or just to deny that there are distinctions completely. A classic example of this is seen when the devil has tricked the world into thinking men and women are the same. It's happened in many subtle ways, such as uh, clothing or an increasing emphasis on what men and, women, men and women have in common. And over time, this grew into things like women taking on roles that were held by men and then changing and rewording language and wedding vows that soften or omit the distinctions between a husband and wife, such as a wife submitting to her husband, or when men go out of their way to not take leadership or refuse to act and just sent, sit idly by rather than do the duties they have been given to do. Those examples are endless. And now when we look at things, we see the state as they are today, this first day of 2020, where a man can try to think he is a woman or a woman can try to think she is a man to the point they can mutilate their bodies and have insurance pay for it, or if some politicians have their way, you will pay for it. But when we look at God's word, we see that differences are a good thing. When we look at God's creation and God's order, it is he has established it for the benefit of one another. So then to go against what God has ordered is called by two names in the Bible, perversion and chaos. The Lord uniquely created man in his own image and woman from the man. They were created for each other, and there is great blessing and honor in each as a distinct sex. Likewise, then the roles, offices, and differences between them are important for the benefit of all creation and society. With the two complementing each other, not opposed to each other, but complementing each other, there would be no things such as the human race. There would be no institutions in the world. There would really be no society. So when men try to act like women, and bad things happen. And when women try to be and act like men, the result is no different. And so in the eyes of God, he has ordered it this way, and this hasn't changed. It's written in creation, and written in the laws of nature as the Lord has created it. In theology, we call this the order of creation. And we are commanded to obey and live as God has ordered or established. So continuing in this Christmas season, then, we see that the word became flesh. God became man. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And not in just some generic sense of mankind, but Jesus is a man. We clearly see that in the reading today. And at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. There's no doubt in that passage about the manhood of Jesus. And so it's important, too, as we consider that our Lord is a man, because he is the bridegroom of the church and the second Adam. The first man, the first Adam in the Garden of Eden, failed his bride, Eve. He let God's order be subverted, and he stood by and remained silent, standing as a coward, 
as the serpent went after the weaker vessel of his wife, and she was deceived, as 1 Peter 3 and 1 Timothy 2 teach us. But with Jesus, though, he is faithful, and he is the noble and brave shepherd who laid down his life for his bride, rather than just stand and watch while she was attacked and be dragged into hell. He ransomed his bride from sin, death, and the devil with the price of his own blood. And he covers his beloved with that righteousness and presents her before the Father without any spot or blemish, as God wonderfully proclaims in Ephesians 5. So there's no way that Jesus cannot be fully man. The sex of a male is inherent to his very person, his life, and his work, to the person of Christ. So with all of this, then, we have this epistle reading before us today. And we hear what God says. Through St. Paul, God inspired to be written, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So there is a distinction between all of these things according to the order of creation. But in terms of the order of salvation, this is where there is no distinction. But what does that mean? It means that Christ is the Savior of the world, which means he is the Savior of all people, not just men or women, not just Americans or Germans. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the Savior of sinners, and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there is no exception and no distinction or difference between peoples. Jesus is the only one who is without sin and the only one in whom salvation is found. And for you, then, that means Jesus is your Savior. So there's great comfort, then, in that reading because you see the great scope of God's salvation for you in Christ. Think about that. No matter who you are, Christ has died for you. You don't ever have to ask, did Jesus die for me? The answer is always a resounding yes. And baptized into Christ, you have this promise placed upon you and to which your God-given faith clings. So regardless of who you are, regardless of where you live, how much money you have, what your background is, or any number of things, Jesus is your Savior, and he died for you. His love and mercy towards you are all-encompassing and complete. Knowing this, then, informs even how you view your place within creation. You are content with who you are, knowing that God has redeemed you in Christ. Your own fallen flesh, though, isn't content, and it likes to covet that which doesn't belong to you, be it a role, an office, an authority, or a way of life. There's that old man in us that wants to think, if there is no distinction in terms of salvation, then I must be free to desire that which hasn't been given to me, in term, or to seek a different order according to my liking. Or sadly, as is also a common thing, we try to blame God and think he is the author of our sin and the one who gives us desire to sin against him. That's why when we talk about creation and when we talk about these things, a Bible passage, something like Romans chapter 1, connects all of this with creatures worshiping the creator, and it calls it idolatry. That's not godly, and it's in fact sinful. 
But the Christian doesn't want to cling to his sin. The Christian repents of it and clings to Christ who has died for that sin. So for you then who are baptized into Christ, your mind and will is to conform to his word. And you take delight in what he teaches. We talked about that in the intro of today. You crucify your old man and silence his lies. You open your ears, your new ears, sanctified by God to hear, his, to hear your Lord in his word of truth. So will the old man, the sinner, like this? Absolutely not. That's why you listen and lean not on your own understanding. But you silence your mouth and listen to the words of the Lord. Your new man, the Christian, wants to listen to Jesus and wants to hear what he has to say to you through his word. The bride of Christ, the church, submits to her head, Jesus, because she knows that Jesus loves her and cares for her, and all that he says for her is, her good, is for her good. So when we look at the things that the world does not like to hear today concerning these distinctions, the Christian has a different response. When God teaches us that men are the head of the household, we say, Amen. When God gives only, uh, when God gives only to women, not men, the joy and blessing of motherhood, you say, Amen. In the church, when God teaches only men are to be pastors, you don't see this as unfair, but instead say, Amen. So all of these things and countless others then are not only what God commands and orders, but therefore are good for the benefit, as we know, God is our Father. And all that he establishes, creates, and does for us as his child is good, right, and true. And so when God does show that there are clear distinctions between these things, that new heart and new mind's response is the response of you as a Christian to hear God's word and keep it. It's to enjoy and live in God's order in this world and crucify that old man that wants something different. So you don't try to rationalize things away and be a slave to the devil and say, well, that was then and this is now. This is 2020 after all. No, the Christian obeys God's word and God's order. And we know that then our honor and our dignity and our glory before God is found as one who is redeemed by Christ. How we stand before God isn't based on what sex we are, but rather it's found on what Jesus has done for us in our place. And so God calls us to examine our lives according to his commandments, to repent where we have turned away from him, and he calls us to live as he has called us, even if it may go against what we want at times. But in the end, it drives you back to God's word, to clinging to it all the days of your life. And so there's a name for this, too, in the Bible. It's called freedom. And it's what you have been set free to live in as you are forgiven in Christ. So dear brothers and sisters in Christ, dear saints loved by God, Jesus is your salvation. His very name proclaims it to you. Every time you hear his name, you know that he is the Savior. He has redeemed you and taken your guilt upon himself. Here is the true God, begotten of the Father from all eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary. And he is your Lord. And there's no doubt about this, as his salvation is finished, and it's all-encompassing. He perfectly obeyed God's law and suffered the wrath of God against your sin and the sin of the whole world in his body, and by the shedding of his blood, made peace between you and God. And that's for you. How do you know this? Well, you're baptized into Christ. You look to him. 
You see that Christ came to save sinners, and you are a sinner who confesses your sin and looks only to Jesus who has cleansed you from it. So you are his, and he is yours. What a joy this day, the first day of a new year and a new decade to gather in this place. Because Jesus is here, and he's here for you in his holy word and sacraments. The Lord was circumcised on the eighth day in order to fulfill a requirement of the Old Covenant. The first part of that Galatians reading talks about that, the Old Covenant that Jesus fulfilled, that guardian kind of watching us until the Lord came. And so he saved you in the new eighth day of your baptism where you were claimed as his own regardless of who you are. They were circumcised on the eighth day. The eighth day is the number of resurrection in the Bible. That's why baptismal fonts usually are eight-sided. And so looking to God's word as guidance as you walk through this world, you see where God has placed you. You see what station you have in life as a Christian man or woman. And you do your duty in your God-given vocations. And you find contentment with what the Lord has given to you. And so our prayer is always that God would grant us faithfulness this new year as we live in this new life, even if it's necessary that we must suffer for it. But at all times, we look to Christ crucified and risen, who is our head. And we rejoice in that salvation that we have been given. So we begin this new year as we begin every day in the same confidence that was given to you in the waters of your baptism when God washed away your sin and he put his saving name upon you. Joy, oh joy, beyond our gladness, you have to live in that baptismal life each and every day. Each day is an eighth day, a new day, a day of resurrection for you who are baptized into Christ as you go forward and look forward to that new day when the Lord raises you to glory in his new creation. God is faithful, and he will sustain you until that day when your faith ends and you see him face to face with all of God's people, men and women from every tribe, language, nation, and people before the throne of God singing their unending praise to the Lamb who was slain but has been raised. So until that day, walk by faith, and God looks at you, blesses you, preaches to you, teaches you, and says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>